Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome inside Garage Door Sports. Your no-holds-barred weekly discussion on everything in the sporting world. For all your news on hockey, baseball, basketball, football, soccer, and more, you've come to the right place. And now, it's time for your hosts, Nick McVicker, Kyle Vardy, and Irfan Manji. That's right, folks. We are back. Episode 51 since the relaunch. Nick McVicker joined through the Garage Door Sports Cup phone by my great co-host, Kyle Vardy and Irfan Manji. Kyle, how are you doing today, my man? Doing good. Ready to talk some sports and uh, get right back in the thick of things. Right back in the thick of things. Uh, that's pretty much where we are, right? And Irfan, how are you doing? Good. Great, actually. Um, like I said, Saturday mornings, I look forward to it to see my boys. So happy about that. And also, congratulations on our 50th episode. I, I know we didn't get to talk about that last week, but congratulations. Yeah. 50 since we restarted this, the three of us. It's, it's amazing. We're actually getting close to 100 all-time episodes, too. So we'll make we'll make a big deal about that. We'll remember it this time. Well, no, I did remember it. I mentioned it at the beginning of the show. We just didn't really like celebrate the fifty. Yeah. And then yeah. I realized after we probably should have celebrated the fifty, but whatever. It is what it is. Um, when we get to a hundred, we'll make a big deal out about it. We'll throw a we'll throw a party or something. I don't know. <laughs> Call the whole team in. We'll, we'll figure it out. Um, this week. NHL awards were finally handed out last week. We will talk about our predictions and sort of how good and bad we did at predicting them. Uh, But let's start off in the kickoff segment sponsored by Canada Kicking Academy, calling all kickers and punters in the Southern Ontario region. If you are looking for year-round professional development with elite competition, you need to train with the Canada Kicking Academy. The Ferraro brothers, Daniel and Gabe, are both University of Guelph alumni, and after illustrious university careers, they want to teach you everything they've learned over the years. If you want to take your special teams game to the next level, you need to train with the Canada Kicking Academy. Visit them at canadakickingacademy.com and follow them on Instagram at Canada Kicking Academy. So this week on the kickoff, I want to talk about the MLB. And since it's playoff time, almost kind of sort of a couple days from now, um, why don't we talk about our preview episode way back like two, three months ago where we looked at all the divisions, see how we did with our predictions, and then talk about looking forward into the playoffs, boys. Sound good? Sure. All right, well, let's start in the NL West. And guess what, boys? We all got this one right because it's a huge surprise, right, that Dodgers won the division. Mm-hmm. Big The only team there. to win 40 games first. Well, the first team to win 40 games, right? They might be the only team as well, but we'll get into that. Um that's uh, not really a shocker, I think, in anyone's mind that that team won the division. They won by yeah. they're winning by six games at, as of this recording over the Padres. Um, I, is there anything really else to say about this division, Irfan? I mean, the biggest surprise for the Dodgers is uh, Muncy's hitting 189, um, and Bellinger hasn't been great. But the fact that they're getting production from the rest of their lineup and Mookie Betts has been lights out, definitely an MVP candidate. It, it shows the depth that this Dodgers team has. So not surprised they're up there, but I'm a little surprised Muncy and Bellinger haven't been as good as they should be. Fair enough. Kyle? I, I think I think the biggest surprise is uh, Kershaw's bounce back. 
I, I honestly wasn't expecting that to happen. Um, but so far this year, he's been lights out. He's got a 2.16 ERA. Um, and he's kind of had to pick up the slack because um, Bueller, who we thought was going to have a huge breakout year, has kind of been pedestrian, really. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he's obviously his, his stats look better than he actually has been pitching. Um, and his problem, he, has, he hasn't been healthy. That's the biggest problem. Yep. So the Dodgers have had to lean on that on Kershaw and really um, have great outings from him, and it's it's been outstanding for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he they've he's looked really really good. Um, I don't think anyone can really argue that. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how they continue that. Uh, we'll get into our predictions for the playoffs after, but let's move on to the AL West and. We all got this one right, too. Big surprise. And we got both teams from this division coming out. I don't know if we all had the Padres in the West, but I know we both, all three of us, had Oakland winning the division and Houston finishing second. So, good for us. Uh, Irf, I want, or Kyle, why don't you give us your thoughts on this division? Um, well, You can kind of tell now that Houston kind of fell back to earth a little bit. Now that they don't know what pitch is coming to them, <laughs> it's kind of a little bit harder to hit the ball, so... Um, I think that's why they're a 500 record. Um, I think it's a little disappointing for the Angels. I think they had a higher, much higher expectations for the season. Um, and it, they kind of just disappointed, really. Like, their pitching just wasn't there and kind of knew that was going to be a factor going into it. Yep. And, um, with Shohei basically just being completely shut down for pitching and only hitting this year. Because um, I, I, he just hasn't been great. Um, I think... The Angels have definitely a chance to contend next year, um, but they need to pick up a pitcher. I think they need to go after a guy like Trevor Bauer, where he's a number one, legit number one, can help out that team for sure. Griffin Canning's been uh, good for them this year. but um, And then talking about Oakland, the, the top seed, they've just been lights out this year. And, um, you know, Liam Hendricks has been the shutdown guy they've needed. Uh, Lazardo's been good for them. Um, Manea has been okay, hasn't been great, but he, he's kind of done his thing. And then I think picking up uh, Mike Miner at the deadline is really going to help them in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Irfan? Uh, no surprise with the A's. I mean, their differential is what, plus 51 here? They've been great at home. Um, they've been okay, so they've been 14 and 14 away from home, which might be a little something to look at if they're in the playoffs and they have to flip over. But I mean, if they're playing at a bubble stadium, I don't think that really comes into effect. The, the Astros, like Kyle said, they came back down to earth. They're 29 and 29, but they also haven't had Justin Verlander for a large part of the year. So maybe that, you know, they haven't had a bonafide ace. So, I mean, that could affect why they're they're maybe two or three games, you know, away from what we would think they'd be at. Um, disappointing for the, the angels. Like Kyle said, again, Sucks for Trout to lose on the sixth consecutive year. Um, Seattle made a, a good push, I think, this year, but they haven't made it for the last 19 years, so since 2001, right? And then the Rangers, I think we also said that, you know, they'd be better than we would think or most teams would think, but they, they also fell off. So A's in Houston is where it ended up. So, I mean, not disappointed, but... Yeah, no, uh, that Rangers one, I think, was a bit of a surprise. I think we all had the Rangers being better than Seattle at the beginning of the, the year. Um, 
they just couldn't put it together. They couldn't figure it out. And, I mean, it's a shortened season, so hopefully they they can bounce back with the roster that they have because they have some really good pieces in there. I just don't know if it's enough to uh, really compete in this division. You bring up the away record for Oakland there, Irfan, at uh, 14-14. and 14. Um, It's funny because then you look at the Houston away record, you know, the mm-hmm. team that apparently has worse. a really big home advantage. They're 9-21 and 21 on the road. That's also true. Yeah, twenty and eight at home. I didn't hear any banging this year, but that home stadium is just something that they like playing in. Apparently, maybe it's a, the sight lines or something, but they cannot figure out how to play away from home. And I think the big thing going into the playoffs for them is the uh, record against teams above five hundred. And if you look at Oakland, they're fourteen and eight against teams above five hundred. The Houston Astros are six and fourteen. Yeah, every team in the playoffs except for them, ironically, <laughs> is above 500. So it could be interesting to see how that plays out. Um, let's move so on. It, it, it basically means they took advantage of the division is what, what Houston. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely, because the other three teams in their division are below 500, and if you look out west, there's two more teams, or NL West, there's two more teams that are below 500. So those five teams, they took advantage of those five teams and then got beat down by the other four Mm. basically what it meant um let's move on to the nl central and this one is still there's still playoff spots potentially up for grabs in this one um but we know who the division winner is and i'm the only one who thought they might be fighting for a division title (laughs) uh irfan you had cincy Kyle, you had Cincy or Milwaukee. And I had Milwaukee, Chicago, or Cincy, but I had Chicago and Milwaukee really as my two that I thought could win it. So what happened in this division, Irfan? The the Cubs came out to play. I mean, they seemed a little rejuvenated, but although like Javi Baez hasn't been great at the plate this year, still defensively fantastic, but he was his he had a down year this year. I think um Chris Bryant wasn't great. Uh, Anthony Rizzo's been average, but for some reason, the same situation as the rest of the boys picked it up for these guys. They they like playing for David Ross. Um, they've been over 500 um, home and away, and their record against everyone that's above 500 is 18 and three. So I mean, 18 and 13. Sorry, something is going on in that Cubs locker room. But that Cubs team has always been very good. They just I guess struggled last year and struggled the year before. Um, we can't forget that they're still the same team or like they have the same guys that won the championship a couple years back. So no surprise there, but it's good to see them come together. Yeah. What blows me away is that they only have one guy batting over 255. Over 255. They have two guys sitting at 255. But only one is batting over 255, and that's Jason Hayward hits, and he's hitting 273. Like, if... If I told, if I gave you this average list of starters, f- like you tell me where this team finishes, the the starters right now for the Chicago Cubs are batting two fifty five, two forty three, two twenty four, two oh one, two seventy three, one ninety five, two forty eight, two thirty six, two oh two, one ninety five. If I told you that was your starting lineup, where do you think that team's finishing? sort of sounds like the Orioles and the Jays from a couple years back when they weren't getting any hitting. Uh, 
Right. I mean, like their pitching's been great, right? You Darvish is, you know, come into form, something that they they banked on and it happened. So I guess this comes down to their pitching. I mean, every team needs pitching when it comes into the playoffs. And, uh, I don't know. Like, I'm, I'm really hoping Javi Baez figures it out and Chris Bryant figures it out and Anthony Rizzo figures it out because those guys are their best hitters. Yeah. Kyle, what are your thoughts? There are two names, and those are the only two names as to why they're in the playoffs right now. And those names are you Darvish and Jeremy Jeffers. Those are the only two players on a team that actually showed up this year. I will give them credit. Kyle Hendricks has been... I was going to say, Kyle Hendricks has been pretty good. He has a sub-3 ERA. Kyle Hendricks has been Kyle Hendricks. Like You kind of knew that was going to happen. Obviously, you knew there was chances where he's going to pitch great for one game and then give up three or four runs the next game. But you Darvish has been probably the bounce-back candidate of the year. He Last year, I'm pretty sure he had like a four-something ERA, and now he's looking at like a 215 or something like that. Or 201. Like something like, 201. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. He's almost sub two ERA potentially if he pitches again before the end of the year, and it's just one of those ones where it's um, he's been lights out. And Jeremy Jeffers, because Kimbrel forgot how to throw a baseball, forgot how to locate a baseball, um, Jeffers st- uh, stepped up and became that closer and shut down. Yeah. Um, Jeffers was at a one point six one ERA. Yeah. So it's like, that's what you need at your closer, and he's he stepped up and done that job because as you were saying. Their hitting hasn't been there, so they've had to have those close games. Mm-hmm. You know, it's 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 the shutdown combo of those that have been, you know, carrying the Cardinals or carrying the Cubs. Like you think the Cubs, they got eight wins from Darvish this year mm-hmm. in a shortened season. That's outstanding. Absolutely. And you eight, and you look eight at wins them. in a regular season. If you're looking at like okay, that's like that's a good an okay year, mm-hmm. an okay year, right? But eight wins in a shortened season, which you're playing third of the games yeah he made, he played 12 yeah and he won eight games so like that's just that just shows how outstanding he was this year yeah well to add to that point their quality starts have been fantastic for that uh starting rotation right like you darvish has had 11 quality starts out of his 12 mm-hmm. like that's that's huge cole hamels has had 12 quality starts kyle hendricks has had 16 uh jose quintana 14 and john lester 14 so that that says a lot that they're able to get their starters past six seven eight innings i mean the jays just got their first seven inning uh with the clinch game which is ridiculous and like you compare the two teams and you're like oh well okay that's a big big difference but yeah yeah i I think when it comes to that part though when you talk about the jays and that i think it's montoya i don't think that montoya likes to let his pitchers go in as far as they possibly could Mm -hmm. i guess there a chance they could have gone six innings plus for sure but he pulls them at five and a third to make sure his bullpen gets that, that's a yeah, well, it's not it's not wrong though either. Like you you look at you look at the Cubs rotation mm-hmm. and you compare it to the Jays rotation, like one through five. Yeah, I like their I like the Cubs rotation a lot better than the Jays rotation right now. Like I don't think oh, anyone sure. would argue that if we go player for player, you no. expect the guys on the Cubs to go long innings. Like you don't necessarily expect other than Ryu, maybe Taiwan Walker. Outside of that, like you really don't expect anyone from the Jays to go deep into games anymore. Like, no, I, I think it's also with the Cubs, right? And you were talking about David Ross. I think that's the biggest thing. Is he he was a catcher for his entire life. He knows how to manage a staff, and he knows when a staff is struggling or when they can continue. Yeah. He knows that. Yeah. He knows what to do, and I think that's why he sometimes lets those guys ride out. You know, six, seven innings. When do they really need to be that long? No, probably not. You can probably get away with having your bullpen pitch two or three innings a night. But 
if you can limit it to, you know, one or two innings, if you can go that far, then hundred percent, he's going to let them ride. And if they, if, if it falters, then it's on him. He'll probably take the blame for it rather than the pitcher itself. Absolutely. And that's, that's the difference I think. And you're right. Cause like Montoya was a, he was a second baseman when he played in Puerto Rico. Like yeah. when, he wasn't a catcher. He doesn't get that. Um, the other stat that I want to, I talked about their hitting before. Talk about the hitting against the pitchers. Darvish has given up. If you look at like the batting average against, the batting average against you, Darvish is two eleven. The batting average against Kyle Hendricks is two forty. The batting en- average against Alec Mills two thirty. Lester's the high guy at two fifty six, and then they've had a bunch of people start in that five spot. Um, a couple of them are sub two averages across multiple starts, which is insane to me. Um, but that tells you a lot right there. Like, if you're holding the other team to an under 250 batting average for pretty much every game, you're putting yourself in a very good spot. And the fact that their team was not hitting well, it means even more for the Cubs. Um, Cincinnati also has clinched a spot in this division already. Um, good old Canadian boy, Joey Votto, representing, um, I still St. Louis and Milwaukee are still up in the air, possibly winning the other wild card spot, or one of the wild card spots, I should say. There's like five teams still in the running in the NL. <clears throat> as I choke on my own spit, um, Philly, New York, and San Francisco are all still in the running in the NL for the second wild card spot. So it'll be interesting to see, or I guess both wild card spots, not the second wild card spot. Um, it'll be interesting to see how this all plays out in the NL. Um, let's move back to the AL and we'll talk about the AL central now. And we pretty much all got this right. Although I had Chicago winning the division and Minnesota finishing second and Irfan, you had the same Kyle, you got this one exactly right. Congratulations. Well, they still have two games, so they still can flip. I know. (laughs) As of right now, as of recording, you have it right. Um, Minnesota's been great this year, plus 52 run differential. It says a lot. 17-11 um, and 11 against teams above 500 is also a huge record in the division where you have three teams that are all on 34 wins, and then you play that NL Central, which has four teams possibly competing for wildcard spots and playoff spots. That says a lot right there about how good this Minnesota team has been and the White Sox and the Cleveland Indians. Um, the difference is, is that the White Sox are 11 and 19 against teams about 500. Uh, what are your thoughts, Kyle? Uh, no, I think, I think when it comes to the above 500, I think that just kind of shows the, the youth of the White Sox, I think. Yeah. Um, I, I think that's really where it shows. Not saying they're not a good team by any means. They definitely deserve to be where they are. I just think that, um, you know, a couple more years down the road and I think they'll, they'll definitely flip that script and, um, I guess, show up more for games against teams that are above 500, right? They, they beat the teams they're supposed to be, but they're not beating the teams that they have to compete against, right? So that's why I think them in the playoffs are going to be interesting. We'll, we'll see how that works out um, because all the teams going into the playoffs are above 500. So they got to step up their game and they got to really show their true talents. Yeah, hopefully um, they get Houston in the first round. Yes, for sure. <laughs> um, as for Cleveland, it's been pitching. It's been pitching, pitching, pitching. And the fact that Cleveland is where they are and they traded away Clevenger 
mm-hmm. is astounding, right? So it just shows Plesak stepped up from being a relative nobody last year um, to being like bona fide number two right now. Um, and, you know, Beaver has been essentially unhittable this year. He's been lights out. Um, and it's good to see Lindor have a good year as well as Jose Ramirez have a bounce back year. So um, that's been huge for them. And then as for the Twins, I had them winning the whole time. Um, and I think it's just their lineup is just so deadly with hitting. Yeah. You know, when Donaldson can basically hit a shot, show up the umpire and get tossed out after he touches home plate, and they still just go on, just plug somebody else in, and, hey, I just go go out, fill it for him, and they just keep playing. It's like, that's just just stupid. Like, and you look at them, you look at that trade um, for Minnesota, getting in Maeda, that looks lights out right now. He's six and one. I think he has a two ERA or something like that. It's just like he's been he's been lights out. It's what it's what they've needed because Barrios hasn't been where people expected him to be, um, but he hasn't needed to be because if they put up six runs a game, all he has to do is give up five and you're fine. So yeah, he 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 has looked unbelievable, Maeda coming into that Twins uh, rotation because the rest of the Twins rotation, eh, they've been, yeah. they've been, eh. Matt Weisler is the next guy when it comes to ERA at 109, which is great, but he's also pitched out of the bullpen in 13 out of his 17 appearances. So. Yeah, like, yeah, like the biggest thing for them is they got Pineda back and he's looked good since he's come back from the suspension. Yeah. And I think Rich Hill is finally healthy now. And he's looked pretty good since he finally got healthy. So, yeah. but again, like even if you look at their ERAs, both of them are above three, right? Like, yeah. But to be honest, any anything below four, you're fine. No, I know. I'm just saying, like the rest of the rotation isn't looking great. Like Odorisi, six fifty nine. Barrios is four. Randy Dobnak is four oh five. Like the rest of that rotation yeah. is just just not producing very well but thankfully they have the bats to back them up like yeah um Irfan? uh I, I think any combination of those three teams i don't think it surprises any of us i think they're all very good um many i think they might pull away with this I, it, their bats are just a little bit better um and i think in the regular season it, it comes down to how good your bats are and then in the playoffs it comes down to how good your pitching is so keep an eye on the Indians and that one-two punch, especially if they can get into the next um, round. Um, I mean, I'd be worried if I'm the Sox, but if they can get a chance to play the the Astros at any point in time, I think they'd be like, yeah, we'll take it. We'll beat that on them for you. Uh, they can't bang away because we'll just hit everything out of the park. But um, yeah, this is. I think this might have been the best division in the AL this season, which is... Uh, something I don't usually say because I always think the AL East is the cream of the crop, but um, the AL Central this year has been really, really good. And again, any combination of these three teams um, is going to be interesting and in, in, to see how the seeding works out. Absolutely. And we'll, we'll get into that after. Um, yeah, I think you guys said it all. Minnesota's lineup is great. Chicago's young. Cleveland's pitching is great. Will be fun to watch all three in the playoffs. There, mm. simple, simple recap. <laughs> Uh, let's move on to the last NL division, the NL East, and we all sort of had the winner. Mm-hmm. 
Yep. We definitely did not have the second place team or anywhere close to the second place team. <laughs> nope. Um, Atlanta won the division. Uh, they also will be second in the NL going into the playoffs. They had a the second or third best, I guess. The Padres had an incredible run differential, but I was going to say the second best run differential in the in the uh, NL, but they don't. Uh, but they've just looked good across the board. Freeman came back after his ever-so-fun battle with COVID. Mm-hmm. By the way, if you don't believe it's true, read his tweets about what he had to go through. Yeah, guys, it's a real thing. Um, Miami is the surprise team of the year, ladies and gentlemen, because they finished second after having basically half of their roster test positive for COVID and missed multiple games, fielding a pretty much a triple-A squad. And they won 30 games. And they still have two more to go. Like, I... I... I would never have guessed that coming into the season that they were going to win 30 games with the roster that they had, let alone no. losing half of that roster and having to call in the AAA recruits. What do you make yeah. of this Miami team, Irfan? Uh, I'm looking at their run differential because it's just it's standing out here. A minus 39, right? <laughs> um, but the rest of the division hasn't been good. Like I personally thought the Nats would be better than they are, but they're not. The, Kyle said the Mets would be better than they are, but they haven't really had anything going for them. Philly technically should be better. You know, it's another year of Bryce Harper. You have a new manager. You have some good arms. You got some good fa- fresh faces. They also haven't been good. I'll be a plus one, so good, good for them for me. The, the second team with the positive uh, run differential there, but Atlanta has been the best team by far. It's just the fact that Miami being sick, being like struggling and not knowing what's going to happen with their future of the season. They just popped up into second place and they've, I think they've deserved it. They've, they've played well in the games that I've seen them play and they played well against the Yankees yesterday. I actually caught that game. Um, I mean, good for them. I mean, it, it's always good to have a surprise team in the playoffs and, and I, and I like how it's, it's the Marlins who get to break their uh, streak of what was the last time they were there? 2003, I believe. So about 17 years of not being in the postseason. So they break that that NL record. So, I mean, hey, go Marlins, I guess. Good job, Jeter and uh, Don Mattingly. Kyle, I, I don't know. <laughs> I you could have bet me a million dollars that the Marlins would have been second division, and I would have taken that ten times out of ten. Um, that they wouldn't be so. Um, I thought the Mets were going to be a lot better than they were. Um, obviously, Cespedes backing back, you know, kind of loses a bat for them. But um, Dominic Smith kind of stepped up for them this year. And um, to be honest, it ended up being their pitching that let them down. And uh, I think the thing that really hurt them was Stroman opting out. I think that was the biggest thing that hurt them. Um, DeGrom was DeGrom again this year, but um, secondary pitching really didn't step up. Um, you look at the Phillies. I said the Phillies were going to choke, and they essentially did choke. Um, I just don't think they're as good of a team as people think they are. They have the pieces, but I don't think those pieces mel- uh, mesh together. Um, I think Nola Nola did did great this year, um, and I think that their signing of Zach Wheeler turned out to be a really good signing because he they give him a one-two punch that they really needed. Um, but to be honest, three through five in that rotation, I couldn't tell you how good they were, or how bad they were, because they're just no names in my my opinion. To be honest. I guess Zach Eflin would be the really only other one that would be 
potentially in contention. Um, Spencer Howard came up for them this year, and he was horror-awful. Um, Vince Velasquez had a, a one-year great start and has been horror-awful since then. Um, Nationals, they tried to rely on their pitching, and the pitching didn't hold up. You know, when you lose Strasburg in the first week of the season, um, kind of hurts. Um, you know, he, when he only goes, I think he had one start, I think is what he had. And then you lose him for the season. Um, that definitely doesn't help. And then Corbin didn't step up and become that number two that they were kind of hoping for when they lost. Um, when they lost Strasburg, they really needed Corbin to step up and be a number two behind Scherzer. And he has a four, six, six ERA. So didn't really have that step up between them. Um, and then the Braves were where we thought they were. I think that Braves were the best team. We knew that. The Braves are uh, who we thought they were. And the Marlins, God, I don't know. Their the young players stepped up. There's nothing else I can say about that. Uh, you know, they had young pitchers step up. Um, Alcantara looked good this year. Um, Lopez looked good in certain parts. Sixto Sanchez came up half of the year, and he's been pretty much lights out other than one bad start, I think. Um, you know, and <laughs> as bad as it is to say, they basically took scraps off of other, other off of other teams, and they've found a way to win with it. Absolutely, and there's nothing Absolutely. else to say about that. Absolutely. Um, ready for the crazy stat of the day, ladies and gentlemen? I'm going to actually pitch it to you guys first. In the NL, qualified batters, so they have to have made an appear uh, 3.1 plate appearances for teams' games played. Right, so they have to basically be a starter, a normal starter. How many of the top 10 qualified batters for batting average come from the NL East? This is National League only. Give me numbers, Irfan. Out of 10. Like out of like the entire National League or just from the NL East? How many? The entire National League is the pool. How many of the top 10 are from the East? Uh, I'm going to say four. Four Kyle? or five. And at least so that's got Washington, Atlanta. Yeah. That's Miami, Philly. Miami and Philly. Don't forget the I NL West has the Dodgers and all them. They have the Colorado Rockies. They have the Arizona Diamondbacks. San Diego yeah, but the Padres. Rockies. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But the, the the Braves hit for average, though. They're not a huge – like, they're a power team, but they hit more for average. So I'd, pro- I'd probably going to say, like, five or six. Eight. Eight okay. out of the top ten are from the NL East. Atlanta has three of them. Washington has two. Yeah. The Mets have three. Wow. And leading the way for the Mets is a tie between Dominic Smith and Michael Conforto at 322 with Jeff McNeil at 320. Wow. That's incredible to me. Eight out of the top ten in the National League are all from this division. Um, mm-hmm. I I haven't looked at the AL, so maybe it's the same. But like that's incredible, and I think it shows how good this this division was when it comes to batting. But the pitching is what let a couple teams down, and the Marlins were able to play, I guess, scavengers and pick the little teams that pick on the teams that couldn't pull out wins with their pitching. 
and they did a great job of it, and they earned a playoff spot. So congratulations to them. Um, let's move to the AL East. Irfan's the only one that got this one right. <laughs> Me and Kyle had the Yankees, which is was not a bad pick at the beginning of the year. <laughs> And they made the playoffs, but Irfan is the only one who had the Rays winning the division. Um, so, Irfan, why don't you tell us what you saw from the AL East? Well, I said the Rays were better than the Yankees, and people were like, dude, no. And I was like, no, no, I think so. Just because I compared their pitching, I compared uh, like the fact that it was a 60-game season and not uh, a 162 season, and I said, you know, in short spurts, I think Tampa's better. Um, and the Yankees, I think I looked at their track record of being injured the last few years and, like, having major injuries to their better players, and um, that's what derailed them this year, albeit they are six games above above uh, 500, but still, like, I think the Rays are a better team. They've been healthy. They've played well. Um, Obviously, the Yankees are still very good. They have the hitting when they need it, and they have really good pitching with Tanaka and Cole going one-two there. Um, Hap hasn't been bad, which is which is really good for him in his career. And then the Jays, right? The Jays finished not with 27 wins. Whoever the hell predicted that shit? Um, I told you they'd get more because I think I think comparatively, the the Orioles weren't supposed to be good. Uh, the Red Sox, after they made that Mookie Betts and David Price trade, I don't think they were supposed to be. Well, they weren't supposed to be this bad, but <laughs> was gonna say, um, they weren't supposed to be this bad. <laughs> no, but I, I, I pictured after that the the Jays had a re- legit chance of being third, and with the extended playoffs and wild card spots, there I think, you know, the the Jays are in the right spot. I mean, they're one game behind. Uh, the Yankees, and they could easily surpass that if the Yankees lose against a very good Marlins team who've been hot and riding a good hand. Um, I'm okay with how the the AL East turned out, only because I like the fact that the Jays make the playoffs. So that's that's good. <laughs> Homer, no, but it it is fun. Like it, this Jays team is entertaining to watch. I think that's that's the biggest thing. It's not they're not. They're not going to blow you away with the big bats like the Yankees, although they have had some guys who can hit bombs in uh, Teoscar and Guriel and Vladdy's been turning it on the last couple weeks and Biggio can hit and Bichette can hit. But they do a lot of, on the offensive end, they do a lot of the little things really well, like just poke holes in the defense. Um, their, their defense is questionable sometimes um we talked about having Derek fisher in there at one point and that was just god he's not there (laughs) that was just god awful um they have some good pieces in their bullpen and a couple good pieces in their rotation with ryu and walker and i think they're going to be fun and whoever matches up with them in the first round needs to be aware of the bats more than anything uh in the playoffs um, whereas the Yankees, on the other hand, weren't the beasts that I thought they were going to be. I thought they were going to just bully teams, and it turns out they only bully teams that are below 500 because they're 9-16 and 16 against teams above 500 this year, including they got swept by the Jays at one point. Let's not forget that. Like Everyone makes a big deal about the uh, absolute drubbing we got in New York. A week before that, we swept the Yankees. This past week, we won two out of three. Like, the Jays aren't 
a bad team. And the Yankees don't play well against teams that are above 500. That could be a huge thing for them going into the playoffs, where, as we already mentioned, every team is above 500. Kyle, what are your thoughts? Um, yeah, no, I, honestly, I think the Yankees kind of got the short end of the stick because of uh, their injuries. Um, I still think that overall, overall, I do think they are the best team. Um, I'm going to stick to that. Um, stick to your I guns. Think, I, I, think, I think Tampa definitely had the more all-around team this year because they didn't deal with any really any injuries. Um, you know, they had, they brought in Snell slowly off the start. Um, but he's, he's back. He's basically back to where he was before. Um, but the biggest thing is, um, I, I think, I think the Rays are, are, are going to be great. I don't know if they are a team you have to be fearful of going into the playoffs. Though. Like when, when you look, when I look at that, that roster and that rotation, I'm not scared by any means, Right. They don't have those superstar players that you know are going to step up and really go off, right? Mm. Uh, Brandon Lowe has been Brandon Lowe has been really good this year. Um, you know, Meadows when healthy was okay, but he's still injured. Um, you know, am I really worried about you know facing Yoshi, uh, Yoshi going into the playoffs? Probably not. Um, you know, Morton's been pedestrian. I think really the only pitching they really had this year was Snell with his three three ERA. He really stepped up and did that. Um, so you know, if if I'm potentially, I think right now I think it's the Jays that match up with them. If I'm the Jays, I know I can face Tampa. I know I can beat them. I, I like, and that's I think that's definitely going into the playoffs. That's something you can look at. You know, if I'm a team facing the Yankees going in the playoffs, I'm worried about playing Garrett Cole in that first game. I'm worried about the Yankees bats being full health now, right? I'm worried about that whole that whole lineup. The whole lineup can take you yard at any time. I don't think you can say the same thing about Tampa. That's just my opinion, but I don't think you can say the same thing about Tampa. Right? There's no. definitely I'm not gonna don't, don't get me wrong. Tampa has hitters. Tampa has players that can play. Don't get me wrong about that. But I'm not worried about them compared to the two. Yeah, I think I think the difference between the two teams is that like the Yankees are big names. The Yankees, you know what to expect from them. I feel mm. like the Rays are kind of just like underrated like they're gonna fly under the radar because no one really thinks about talking about their lineup a lot of those players are good ball players like and they've come together quietly in tampa because no one cares about tampa they've won 21 games against teams above 500 this year i know i've been using that stat a lot but that is a good stat for the al because all eight teams that will make the playoffs will be above 500 yep It, it does mean something um, they also had a plus fifty four run differential this year, which is incredible. Uh, well, second what, best I got, in the I, AL. I got, I'm not trying to take anything away from them. I just I'm thinking about going to the playoffs. Right? I'm uh, I'm not as scared. That's the biggest thing. Right? Yeah. It's, it's, their their team is legit. Like their bullpen. I'm pretty sure every single person in that Tampa Bay bullpen throws minimum ninety seven miles an hour. Yeah. So it's it's one of those ones where. That, that seems to work for them. And, you know, if they can get five, six innings out of the starters, they have no problem going to their bullpen. Yeah. But it's a matter of getting those innings out of the starter and not going down early that I think Tampa's going to really have to worry about. So, Fair enough. Um, that'll do it, boys. So we did – I think we did pretty good on our predictions at the beginning of the year other than maybe one division. And at least in pretty much one. I mean, we all had Atlanta being first or second, so – like, yeah. we did well with that. Other than that, that division, we were pff, totally lost. 
Um, yeah, I think the, the playoffs are going to be fun. I don't know if there's anything else to really say. Uh, Kyle, did you have who any is, last who thoughts? Is your, who is your NL team? For the to win the championship in the NL, Dodgers. It's either Dodgers. It's going to be Dodgers, Atlanta in the final, and mm-hmm. I think the Dodgers win. I think that Kershaw is just on another level right now, and he's not tired it, after a full 162 game season. But so is it playoff in. Kershaw that we're going to see though? Like that's my question. But that's what I'm saying. I think it's a different year in the playoffs because none of the players have played 162 games. No one's really mm-hmm. tired, right? So. You're getting Kershaw, which would this would be like a mid-season form Kershaw going into playoffs, which is scary for any team. Um, I do like Atlanta to be the other team in the NL final, um, but I just think the Dodgers are too good. Irfan, what about you? Oh, I'm gonna go something completely different because I'm gonna. I like doing this. I think the Padres are my NL team. You stole my team. Oh, did I? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I thought I was going. <laughs> that was I thought I was picking somebody completely. I'm just looking at that potential first round matchup, Atlanta versus uh, Cincy. I think that's going to be a really, really tough matchup for the Braves. I mean, albeit Freddie Freeman has been lights out this month. Um, he's hitting what 378 this month in 24 games with 11 doubles, eight home runs, 32 ribbies. Like that team's like the Braves have been good, but I'd be I'm a little afraid when they face a guy like Trevor Bauer. Is that going to be good enough? Are they going to be able to get through? And that's why I'm looking at that middle pack. And I think the Padres playing the cards is going to be a pretty good matchup, but I think they're better. And I think then it'll be like, if it's the Dodgers next, I think they're better than the Dodgers in my opinion. Um, but I, again, I'm I'm obviously going to pick a different team than the Dodgers. So I'm going pods. Okay, Kyle. <laughs> Yeah, see, like, I, I, I love the Padres. I love everything about them. I love how young that team is. But they mixed in veterans as well. Yeah. I think the Padres are what the White Sox could be in two years. Oh, uh, yeah. With a combination of veterans and, and, and young players, uh, having that perfect combination of, of both. Because um, I think I think the Padres' rotation right now is above what the White Sox are. Yeah. So I think the White Sox could get there. Um, I, honestly, I think they need to make a move, kind of like what San Diego did with Clevenger, and bring that in. So, um, San Diego, like looking at their rotation, it just looks lights out right now. It's the only thing is pitches. Well, right now they're saying he's not ruled out for the wild card series because he's got a cortisone shot in his elbow. So, um, the biggest thing for me is, um, I just I just saw that uh, Lamette for Padres just left with uh, shoulder irritation. So, um, there's a chance that he's probably not potentially not there for, or sorry, not shoulder, uh, bicep. So potentially he's not pitching, so that could be a huge blow to that rotation. So, um, but even then, um, I still I still like them. They they are my sleeper pick. I think they're not really a huge sleeper, but they are because they're behind the Dodgers, so nobody really gives them that credit they kind of deserve. Yeah. Um. And then honestly, you I, I can see like I was down on them all year, but I could see the Cubs doing well, especially if they get the Marlins in the first round, which is what it looks like it might be. There's a chance that they, they could go right through the Marlins and go right in the division series like pretty clean, depending on if the Marlins put up a fight or not. We'll see. Yep. But um, especially if we're talking first round matchups with a potential for upset, I, I like the Cubs getting through that first round. So. Okay, I like it. Um, slip over the AL and uh, Irfan, we'll start with you on this one. Uh, who's your who's your AL champion? Oi. Um, 
I know I was high on the Rays all year just when we were talking divisions, but I think the Yankees come out of this. Um, they're healthy at the right time. Uh, they have very good pitching. Um, and when it's the playoffs and the Yankees together, I think they find a way to perform. So I, I think it, it's the Yankees, and they have a really tough first-round matchup if it ends up being Cleveland. So I think if they get past a good pitching team, it'll be a good indication as to where this Yankee team is. If they can't you know, bat against um, Cleveland's 1-2, then obviously they won't do well. But if they can beat them, I don't think there's any other rotation that they'll face for the rest of the playoffs that's just as good as Cleveland's. Yeah, so, they're either gonna say, play. Yeah. They're either gonna be playing Cleveland or Chicago if they finish yep. second. If they end up dropping down to third in the division, they play Tampa. Mm. So, so, but if where it stands now with that four-five sort of picture, um, they'll have the toughest matchup. And if they can get past that, I think they're they're easily your AL team. Kyle, um, if you would have asked me a month ago, I would have said Oakland but I think the loss of Chapman really hurts that Oakland team. Um, so to be honest, I think my pick is I've been riding with them all year. I think it's the twins. Um, I think the twins are the one team that can really go shot for shot with the Yankees. Um, and it's all going to come down to that pitching. And as much as I was hyping up the Yankees earlier, Garrett Cole hasn't been who he was in Houston. You know, he's, on, he's at a 285 ERA right now compared to where he was in Houston, where it was a two ERA, right? If you're the highest paid pitcher in the league, you probably shouldn't have almost a three ERA. And that's probably saying something that it's in the AL East, so it's a little bit more tougher tougher competition than he was facing before. Um, but still, um, I think I think, I think, I think the, the Twins' bats are going to show up. Um, I know most of the time it is pitching that comes down to in playoffs, but I think as you were saying, this year's a little bit different. I don't know if it's going to be all pitching in the, in the playoffs. It's really going to play the factor um, because the hitters are still basically fresh, right? They're not they're not as tired as they would be in October, right? You got you got to think about the, the pitching in October. Yes, it slows down, but also there's a lot of players in October that get the extra rest. Not so much the same as batters. Batters, you're playing basically all the way through if you're a, a true starter. So, um I think it's going to be it's going to be good. I think honestly, watch out for uh, Nelson Cruz. I think him playing DH. I think he's going to tee off in the in the playoffs. And uh, I think not necessarily Barrios, but I think Maeda, Rich Hill, and I think Pineda are going to come in huge for the uh, the, for the playoffs. Okay, I like it. I'm going to go same division as you, Kyle. But I am going to take Cleveland. Um, I think. You guys have both touched on pitching being a huge factor in the playoffs. Their pitching rotation is really good. And I think in a three-game series, best of two against potentially the Yankees or the Jays or potentially even, I think, uh, Oakland. Even Minnesota possibly could finish in that second spot. Like, they, they could play five teams possibly. Um I like them pitching for pitching against most of them. I think they have enough skill at the bats to beat teams 3-2 if they can get the good pitching that they've they've seen for most of the year. Like don't forget like all three teams in that division that are in the playoffs are plus 45 run differential or better, right? So you know they have good pitching. But the Indians gave up the fewest runs in the league this year. 
not not the AL, all of MLB, they gave up the fewest runs. So I think when it comes down to playoff baseball, pitching is going to play a factor. And I think that they have a really, really good team. And they've also been there in the last few years. Like we're talking the AL here. The Yankees players have been there. Houston's players have been there. And Cleveland's players have been there. Mm-hmm. Outside of that, none of these teams really have like deep playoff runs in the last few years. Maybe Minnesota, but like I'm talking deep, deep playoff runs to the the final. The other teams haven't done that. Yeah, Cleveland has players that have done that. They've been there. They've done that. And yes, it is a different year, but I think that almost helps their pitching staff because, as I said, pitching is going to play a huge factor. So I'll take yeah. the Indians. Um, quickly just tell me who's going to win out of your two teams I'll, I'll take the Dodgers to win I just think they're too good uh, Kyle you had Padres twins yeah I'm going to take Padres okay and Irfan you had Padres Yanks Oi. <laughs> I didn't think this through um, Padres Padres I like, I like Tatis this is going to be fun alright well that'll do it we did it. We survived. That was a very long kickoff segment uh, sponsored by Canada Kicking Academy. If you are looking for professional year-round development with elite competition, you need to train with the Canada Kicking Academy. Daniel and Gabe are both University of Guelph alumni, and after illustrious university careers, they want to teach you everything they've learned over the years. If you want to take your special teams game to the next level, visit them at canadakickingacademy.com or follow them on Instagram at Canada Kicking Academy. We're going to take a quick break. And we will come back with the NHL Awards review and what we see going forward with this finals now that it's at 3-1. to one. All right, we don't have much time left, but... Let's get to what happened with the NHL awards. All of them were announced over the past three weeks. Most of them were announced on Monday. Um, Yeah, I did very well (laughs) (laughs) with my prediction. I went seven of eight. Irfan, you were three of eight. And Kyle, you were three of eight. Uh, but let's run them down. Norris, uh, Roman Yossi ended up winning, so I actually got that one right. Big shout-out to me. I th- I said Yossi should win. Carlson will probably win, but I wanted Yossi to win, so I'm taking that as a win. Um, Counts. You guys both had Carlson, and I think we all agreed that we thought Carlson was going to win. Right, boys? To be honest, I still think he should have, but um, I think – I know they don't say this, but I think they played how they did in the, in the playoffs into a factor. Yeah, both both the teams weren't like the Preds or the Caps didn't really do well in the playoffs this year. Um, but, but Carlson just didn't really show up at all, to be honest. That's true, but he was also injured for parts of that, right? Like he wasn't a hundred percent healthy, so I don't think that would be a fair way to judge. I mean, you know, Roman Yossi's been stellar his entire career, so I think this this sort of leads up to it, which is great. But John Carlson had a an amazing year, which sucks on his end, but you can't argue with either either guy winning it. Yeah, no. and I think when we were talking about it, we said basically like 
Yeah, Yossi was probably the best defenseman. Carlson was the best offensive defenseman, and that's what this award has sort of become is the best offensive defenseman. Um, yep. So we all thought it was going to be Carlson. But it wasn't. Yossi won that one. Uh, for the Selkie, uh, me and Irfan both had Couturier winning. Good job, buddy. High five. And, and uh, Kyle, you had Ryan O'Reilly, which honestly is still a great call. Like I, I don't think any of the three Selkie nominees – um, deserve any like backlash? They all are great players in that regard. So uh, I'm not really surprised that all three of them were nominated. Yeah, no, I agree with that too. I think they should toss in some wingers because they've been some very good wingers that are two-way players that could fight for the Selkie. Um, you know, I, I think of Marion Hosa when I think of that, just because you know he lost out because he wasn't a centerman, but he's he used to be a very good 200-foot player. Uh, reliable offensively, reliable in the neutral zone, reliable in the defensive end. But that's just something that they could add, but it's okay. Yep. As long as Bergeron's name's up there, you know. <laughs> uh, Kyle, any thoughts on the Selkie or just move on? No, not really. It's, it's Honestly, you could have given it to anybody, and I don't think there would have been really any question. Yeah. Um, next up, Vesna. Once again, me and Irfan were the same. Both had Helleba. Kyle, you had Vass. Again, either of those two probably could have won. Uh, Rask being involved was purely based off stats. Um, didn't have enough games really to challenge the other two, I think, this year. Uh, Kyle, your thoughts? Uh, I had I had Helleba winning as well, to be honest. It was, it was, I had Vasilevsky probebably going to win it, but then I said I also said that Helleba definitely based on um, shots against and saves. Um, I think I think Vass was more just because they were the the, the better team this year. Yeah. Um, but Hell, Hellebuck basically was the only thing keeping that Winnipeg team alive. So um, I I'm not surprised. Yeah. Lady Bing, the one that Matthews was somehow voted for, and I don't really think he should have been, as we mentioned in our show. Um, Kyle, you and me both had Nathan McKinnon winning this one. Irfan, you had Ryan O'Reilly. So again, fair shout. Anyone who was nominated for these awards really probably could have won it for most of the categories. There's Minus one Matthews player, for this. Like, again, like Matthews probably wasn't going to win this one. Um, yeah. We'll get into the Masterson next. Uh, like, There's a couple players who were in the final three that really weren't. It, it was really more of a final two. Uh, but they have to, name, they have to name a third player. Uh, McKinnon was just that, that good this year without taking penalties. Like, I think it's just that easy. Um, as I mentioned, the Masterson, Bobby Ryan ended up taking this one home, which I think was the right decision. Uh, Oscar Lindblom should be nominated again next year. The fact that he played in the playoffs, like blew me away. Mm -hmm. Um, but he didn't make his return during the regular season. And this is a regular season award. And I think that comes, that played a big factor into the, uh, the decision-making, uh, what do you think? Um, they got it right. Uh, I mean, obviously, I think I did. I say Lindblom. You had Lindblom, yeah. Yeah, I said that just because of the the whole lead up to it, and I mean, when you rung the bell, it was a it was a fantastic moment for for fans. Um, but in reality, Bobby Ryan had that issue in the in the start of the season, and then came back and played well and scored big. I I, I can't argue with that as as much as um I think Bobby Ryan, um, like I don't like him as a player just because I've watched him in Ottawa, but I think deservedly so for this award. Yeah. That's fair. 
Um, the only award that all three of us had a different answer for, uh, the Jack Adams. Irfan, you had torts. Kyle, you went with Vignon. And I ended up getting this one right with Cassidy. Um, I think really any of them could have won it. This was one of the closest uh, Jack Adams awards that we've seen in the last few years. But it's come down to who, which team has the best record sometimes. And Cassidy was the one who had the best record this year. So he, he ended up winning, eh, Kyle? Yeah, uh, to be honest, I, it's going to sound controversial, but I think that's a joke. Um, that's not controversial. I don't, I, I don't think that the best team should have the best coach. I think it honestly should be um, how a team progresses. And I think if you look what like why I chose Vigneault, if, if you look at what he did this year, he took a team that was, you know, okay, and he took them to be one of the best teams this year. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know if Cassidy really did that because, realistically, um, <laughs> they already had one of the best teams in the league. So, um, yes, I, I, they did take that step and um, kind of went over the edge, I guess, of, of going ahead of Tampa. But I think that's also because Tampa had a little bit more of a down year comparatively um, compared to actually Boston having a much better year. Um, you know, all the all the power to him. And, you know, great job with getting the award. But uh, I think what Vigneault did with, with Philly and essentially bringing them, if they would have continued the regular season, Philly would have won that division. So um, I think that kind of that kind of halted his uh, ability to win that award because if they would have won that division after coming in fifth, I think last year, um, I think I think that would have won him for him. For sure, uh, Irfan, do you have any thoughts? Yeah, I mean the same argument can be made with Tortorella. He lost his best three players like Duchesne, Panarin, and Bobrovsky, and still developed a very good roster. So, I mean, I don't think Bruce Cassidy should have won it. And I'm a huge proponent of my team. And when they, when they get a chance to win an award, go for it. But, um, arguably I think the other two guys are better than them for, for this award specifically. Like, I, I mean, I don't even think Bruce Cassidy should have been nominated in my opinion. Like, yes, Boston was so good, but guys like Travis green and Paul Maurice, who had a different situation and had a rough time, with their teams to begin with and had to do a lot of maneuvering. I think those are the types of players or sorry, types of coaches that should get nominated. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you guys. And I think I said that when I was picking Cassidy, like, do I really think he should win it? Um, maybe not this year. Uh, the, the, what he did with the defensive end, cause they, their defensive record this year was ridiculous. Boston. I think that's might, might've been what pushed him over the top, but I'm with you guys. 100%. I picked them, but, I wasn't 100% confident in my answer. Let's put it that way. Um, Calder. Oh, so much fun, the Calder. Um, Irfan, you and me went with Makar. Kyle, you went with Hughes. Makar ended up winning. I don't think there was really a wrong answer here between the two of them. Had Dominic Kubalik won, I think we would have been a little bit more up in arms. <laughs> uh, but you know what? Both of those players had such a good year. I just thought what Makar had done over the course of all the games that he played was a little bit more than what Hughes did. Kyle's going to say that the the difference was that Hughes played the full season, and that's a very fair statement. Um, That's really the argument that differentiates it, is that Makar didn't make it through a full season, whereas Hughes did. 
and mm-hmm. uh, the writers decided to go with Makar. Right, like that's about that's about it. Uh, Kyle, do you have any other thoughts? No, that that's pretty much it. My my biggest thing was I think Makar, if he played a full season, would have won it no matter what. Yeah. Um, but I think my biggest counterpoint was that he didn't play that full season, and I think. If you look at it, if they played the full season out, it could have swung a different way. But because they stopped the season, I think I think that that factor um, kind of went away. Absolutely. So absolutely. Um, so I, I think that's why I think that's why Makar um, finished with as many first place votes as he did. So. Yep. And I think it uh, again. I think either of them could have won that one. I'm not really. I wouldn't have been upset if Hughes had won as a Colorado fan. Like they're both <laughs> exceptional talents. Yeah, it, it's going to be fun to watch these two develop over the next 5, 10, 15 years, right? Absolutely. Um, and then the last trophy, which is technically two trophies, but it was won by the same person, both of them, and we thought it was going to be won by the same person. Um, Leon Dreisaitl wins the Lindsay and the Hart. Kyle, you were the one who had bo- had him picked. Me and Irfan both had McKinnon. Um, yeah, and I think... This one comes down to he was the best player in hockey this year. Even if the award says most valuable to your team, which we argued uh, extensively in mm-hmm. our in our preview, um, he was the best player in the league this year. Hands down, I don't think any one of us would argue that. Right, Irfan, you wouldn't you wouldn't say that anyone was better than Drysidel. McKinnon, no. Um <laughs> No, 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 no. I, I don't think I would. He was lights out. I think he was at a different level, and especially the fact that he was better than Connor McDavid this year um, says a lot. And congratulations to him. I, I, I can't argue with it. Yeah. Again, like the award technically says most valuable to your team. Mm-hmm. Was Drysaddle the most valuable to his team? We've had that argument. You can go back and listen to our show if you really want to hear that argument. Me and Kyle went back and forth for about five minutes on that exact topic. But it's it's one of those ones where these two players were so good this year. Panarin was great too, but I don't think Panarin did as much for his team as McKinnon and Dreisaitl did. Oh. Again, he was phenomenal, and he was the best player on New York by like a wide margin. But it just wasn't the same. I think, had they given it to McKinnon, would anybody have been surprised? No. Probably not. No. Um, but Dreisaitl I, I... was the best player. I think the only thing you would have probably had an argument um, of people on Drysaddle's side, I think, probably would have made the argument of McKinnon winning just because of where Drysaddle finished. I think that would be the only argument, but um, even then, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they gave it to him either way. So. Yeah, I think my argument was that Colorado dealt with more injuries this year, and McKinnon was the only one who, only superstar to really survive that injury thing and carry yep. the team while other players were out. Whereas Drysaddle had McDavid for most of the year, it's, it makes a huge difference. But at the same time, like as I said from the beginning when we started the conversation, way back when we were doing our predictions, Drysaddle was the best player in the NHL this year, and for he sure. was like it wasn't even close. He was yep. the best player in the NHL. So, yeah, that'll do it for our recap. Um, what have you guys made of the final so far, Kyle? Uh, to be honest, haven't watched a whole lot of the games, if I'm being honest. Um, I've bet on them, but I haven't actually watched them. Um, I, I think, um, Tampa's 
as we, we were saying before, I think um, I think Tampa's kind of exposed Dallas's defense a little bit and kind of uh, in, in a way then exposed Kudobin, um, which has kind of led for some of these, I guess, wider margins of victory, I guess is what you could say for Tampa. Um, Dallas has taken some stupid penalties. Um, and to be honest, they were lucky to not have a penalty kill at the last 20 seconds of the game when Corey Perry um, rode Braden Point like a horse. Um, uh, and it was just one of those ones where it was, he hit him in the nether regions, and if I got hit there, I'd probably drop too. So, um, But, yeah, no, it's just Dallas has not been the team they were in the last three rounds, and I think that's a part of it. They're not... They haven't been as sound defensively. They haven't been. Um, they haven't had that secondary scoring. Other than the first game, they really haven't had the scoring they really needed. So. Yeah. Do you want a crazy stat? Yeah. That kind of blew me away coming into this series. In the playoffs so far this year, Dallas before this series had played in eleven one-goal games. They were 11 and 0 in one goal games coming into this series. Two of their three losses in this series have been one goal games. <laughs> so that kind of tells you that Tampa is breaking down this Stars team in those close games where other teams just couldn't. And a couple of them were overtime games, but like before this series, but still they they're one goal games. It if a team can win 11 straight one-goal games, and that includes the round robin where they beat St. Louis in that last game in overtime, that tells you a lot about the team. And I think the fact that Tampa is beating them in one-goal games, they've done it twice, sort of tells you all you need to know that this Tampa team is good and they're yep. taking advantage of a team that just wasn't, hasn't been scoring. Um, Irfan, do you have any thoughts? Um, no, I think you both covered it. Hudobin looks like a backup this series, which is is rough for him. And um, and and something about Tampa, they lose the first game, but they find a way to win the next three or the next four. So uh, that depth has been ridiculous. And I mean, John Cooper has a great team in front of him, and having Stamkos come back and play less than three minutes and still score a goal, I mean, that tells you about what this team can do. And um, really pushed and I know Nick and I said last week that I think it'll come down to six or seven but it could easily be five because they found a way like you know Dallas's sweet spot is that one goal game but Tampa's like now nah, hold up, hold my beer I can do the same thing and um and, and it's happened right <laughs> I got this yeah, I got so, this uh, so I mean I think we're, we're we're witnessing I think the best team in the, in the league right now doing what they do best winning yeah yeah I think that's that's a a great way to put it. And I know I, I mentioned the whole Dallas winning 11 straight one goal games coming into this. Tampa's no slouch. I think they've only lost one, one goal game all playoffs. And it was to Boston three, two in game one. So then they've played in eight or nine as well. Like they're no, they are no slouch. Oh, sorry. They also lost the overtime game to New York. So two games. Two, two one-goal games in the playoffs. Yeah, I'd take that as if I was John Cooper. Like, <laughs> my team's going to win games? Pfft, sure. One goal, five goals. Don't care. Um, 
they're one game away from winning. They play tonight. Tampa is considered the home team. Don't know if that really matters. Changes what bench they're sitting on, I think, more than anything. Um, by this time next week, we will have a winner, and we will talk about who won, and we will be setting up free agency mm-hmm. and buyouts and all the fun. Um, but let's get to our final thoughts for today. Um, Irfan, would you like to start us off, my man? Sure. Um, my final thought goes to the Ottawa Senators. I know Bobby Ryan won the Masterton, and we say congratulations to him, and he deserved, deserved the award by, by far. But um, he got bought out, and, and I think um, it's the wrong timing in terms of, you know, he just came up from a, a award, and I think fans are like, well, why was this announced now? Blah, blah, blah. But I think it's a little late. In my opinion, in buying him out, they should have probably bought him out when that whole group of Broussard and Hoffman and Carlson and Zabinajad and that whole sort of change of the team happened after they made the playoffs. I think that's when it would have been a good chance to to buy him out. So they're a little late on the buyout, but um, I mean, they bought him out now. So let's see what they do with $22 million to get to the cap floor. So um, my final thought is good on them for doing that a little late, but yeah, it's hockey. Yeah, it was, a, it was a culture change that they were going for. Um, unfortunately, it is the buyout period technically right now, so it's not like they were going to hold on to him going into the offseason. So they made the right decision from a hockey standpoint. Um, it, it is what it is. It's they are, They're a good team mm-hmm. in a few years. Yeah, and I mean, I don't think Melnick wants to pay $6 million for a guy <laughs> who can't get the points that he wants. I mean, if he was at $2 million, I don't see them buying him out, but... Six million sort of changes that approach, and Milnick Milnick's cheap, and and mm-hmm. and I've been saying that for years. So, um, there you go. Uh, Kyle, your final thought, my man. Uh, my final thoughts are uh, football's back, and knock on wood, the, the COVID testing and stuff seems to be working. Um, doesn't seem to be very many positive tests, at least not that we hear of. Um, so I think in a way that's positive because it means that. Um, Somehow, some way, it's it, it it's working. And the players I, I are taking it seriously. That's that's yeah, the big and, thing. And I think that's that's the biggest thing, right? You look at the MLB and MLB. Obviously, it kind of has the same like road schedule type thing where they're traveling and all that kind of stuff. But um, I don't think the players are taking it as seriously as the NFL players would. No, so, and the uh, MLS is now doing that as well. They're traveling too. So there's three leagues in the states that are traveling. Two of them took it very seriously from the very beginning with the MLS and the NFL. MLB didn't at the beginning. Now they're a lot better. They haven't had a positive test in weeks. So Yeah, So and I think that's that's the biggest positive is that sports seem to be back, and now that they're actually taking things seriously, um, they're on the right track to stay. Sorry, to stay back. Um, As he chokes the, on his words. Uh, no, I burped up in the griddle. Um, uh, but no, it, the, the biggest thing is... Uh, Sports are back, and it looks like they're staying back, and uh, it's a great sign. So. Yeah, no, it is It is a positive. Um, the one thing I worry about, is not necessarily the NFL, but college football, there have been lots of positive tests in college football, um, mostly because they're younger players, and they're not as bright. And they're <laughs> at schools. Yes, but a lot of the schools are still online. Yeah. But there's still people. There's still people there. Is the biggest. No, I I, and I get that. But like Houston, the University of Houston has had their first game canceled three times already. Yeah. 
because every I'm pretty time sure LSU's in, I'm pretty sure LSU's entire team has tested positive for COVID at this point. Well, no, that's what Coach O was saying. It's not confirmed. Yeah, he's like, I'm pretty sure everyone's had it, but we we just didn't test them then. Coach, you can't be saying stuff like that. <laughs> not exactly something you want to say on national TV. Guarantee the uh, PR person for the Tigers is like, oh, no. <laughs> I got to fix this now. <laughs> um, yeah, that's that. I do agree with you, though, that fo- having football, having sports back is great. Again, I think it needs to be something that we need to take with a grain of salt and hope that nothing changes. So, mm-hmm. um. My final thought is, man, you look god-awful this year, and this is going to be a very long year for the Red Devils and all of their fans. They cannot seem to win a header in the box. They can't seem to stop fouling people near the box, and they can't seem to win games until the 90th-plus minute. After the final whistle, too. <laughs> yeah, I don't care. Like They can't win a game after the 90th-plus minute, and it's, it's god-awful, and it's not fun for anyone involved. Uh, I guarantee the players are really frustrated. Um, I guarantee Ole, the manager, is frustrated. And it comes down to they don't have all of the right pieces. That's really it. They're missing three pieces. And they're not going to get them because Ed Woodward won't spend the money that necessary to bring in those three pieces. So it is what it is. We will struggle this year. As he'll United only spend teams. money. He'll only spend money if he gets to overpay. Okay, not if the other team asks to overpay. But they're not even. He's not even overpaying. Know. Like yeah, he's not he's spending anything. Like don't don't get me started, Irfan. <laughs> <laughs> I get you on touchline thoughts, so we can talk about it. I'm not happy with him. Um. Yeah, it's gonna be a long year. It's gonna be a long year. But that'll do it for today's show make sure you tune in next week when we will go through a review of the nhl playoffs and a preview of the free agents um we will also probably be talking some nfl and maybe we'll have a guest we'll see we'll let you know then um if you would like to follow us you can find me at nick mcvicker you can find Irfan at Irfan manji and you can find kyle at kyle vardy on twitter Make sure you follow the show at Garage Door Sport on Twitter, at Garage Door Sports with an S on Instagram. Uh, check out the website at garagedoorsport.com for all of our latest episodes. You can also check out our other shows that are going up there, soon to be more. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Mm-hmm. Uh, big things are coming. And, yeah, thank you for listening, and we will see you next time. <laughs>